everybody and welcome to the youthscape podcast from two utterly exhausted parents not not parenting together parenting at different ends of the country but both with the same slightly exhausted look on their faces yeah and i was about to make a quip about us both lying on the couch because this is going to be quickly a therapy session but again not the same couch different, two different parts of the country different couches Very same different. storm Different couches. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. Anyway, hello. Uh, my name is Martin Saunders, and I am a father of four from Rygate in Surrey, where I've been homeschooling today in what is now week seven, I think, of COVID 19 lockdown here in the UK. And up in the north of England, my esteemed colleague and friend. I'm uh, passionate Rachel from Desperate Preston, also parenting. And I think actually the one thing that you and I have in common, which we haven't talked about, is that we're both married to people who are who are actually out of the house because yes. the work they're doing means it takes them out of the house. So not only are we trying to do our youth ministry and youthscape work, but we're, we're homeschooling kids and there's no other adult supervision no. in the houses that we're in. Like it's just us. Yes. Hi, Martin. Yeah, and but my the just the extra layer that I have. I'm not. We're not in a competition here, but the extra layer <laughs> I have is that is that my wife is a teacher, and so for me, homeschool is like a permanent Ofsted inspection, because whenever she returns home, I have to give account of my teaching for the day, and I I I try, but the problem is the children wrap me out straight away. I had I just with like. Do you know what I'd lay, I'd lay, I cleaned up, I'd lay, I put everything away, I'd laid out all the work that they'd done for the day, and then uh, my six-year-old Zachary just went, "Mummy, Daddy had a very long Zoom call earlier." <laughs> <laughs> Daddy did all my homework today. Oh, Daddy let yes. me go and just watch crafts endlessly. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that oh, is yeah, that is our but- lives at the moment. All slightly joking apart, this is this is the month as well, the, the, the beginning of the month, where we, we're aware that some youth workers have come back from furlough. And it yeah. might be that you furloughed yourself from the Youthscape podcast, in which case, hello, welcome back. <laughs> yes, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> welcome back. We've clearly gone a bit crazy in the meantime. <laughs> um, but there is something about, so I think we're opening, we're entering week seven, aren't we? And, and I, yeah. I've just had this hypothesis for a while that, um, it was okay whilst we were in six. We we're in a six-week period because we're sort of used to that. We've all yeah. grown up with six weeks, summer holidays, and if we've got kids now, we understand that the, the cycle of terms and so on. But yeah. seven weeks? Who's ever done anything for seven weeks? So I think that's why the wheels are turning. And also, all those lovely youth workers that have gone off on furlough who are now not listening to us. The other thing is that today, of course, this we record on the Monday. It was supposed to be a bank holiday. So probably somewhere deep in our psyche, we this week we're going to struggle with because we've only got four working days in on one level, although youth workers all the time, isn't it? But it's kind of the wrong end of the week. So I think we're a little bit discombobulated. And so if in any way this podcast gives any articulation or voice to anything other than 
then yours and my beautiful psyche, Martin. Then we speak for you, beloved community. This week is disorientating and maybe that's okay. Maybe you're not alone if you're feeling a bit disorientated. <laughs> I'm feeling very discombobulated. I like that word. I don't, I'm not entirely sure what it means, but uh, but I think that's correct. It doesn't need to mean anything other than just a sound coming out of your mouth. Oh, I love the sound of that word. It feels good, doesn't it? it Brilliant. Does. So um, I nearly turned into a sort of Pentecostal preacher there and said, everyone say discombobulating, but I've... Discombobulating, can I do that? I've done it, I've done it now. Right, shall we get on to the order of business? So we have a couple of things to talk about. We haven't got a guest today, first of all. That's the desperate news for anybody who was hoping this might be redeemed by some other voice. Uh, We haven't got a guest, it's you and me, but... Um, we're going to reflect a little bit on last week's, last Friday's podcast, uh, where we talked to Jemima Woodbridge, and she talked very honestly about what it was like to have a project kind of not work, and, and essentially her experience of a project ending in failure. Uh, and it has, as we hoped it might, provoked some responses. So we're going to read some of those out uh, uh, later on. But first... We have been trying to get into this rhythm. I don't know how successful we've been, Rach, but um, Dr. Lucy Shuk has been doing some brilliant weekly research, hasn't she? And um, and so on each Monday on the Youthscape Live blog at youthscape.co.uk forward slash coronavirus, you can find the results of the Thursday 3x3 three three, where she takes the temperature of the youth ministry community during this lockdown. And so... Uh, we've got three answers. We only have 57 responses, so it's not exactly sort of academic research, but it's indicative, as they say. So um, do you want to take us through it this week, Rach? Yes, because I was really interested in this one. So lots of talk in the last couple of weeks about key workers and in the last week, thinking about whether youth work needs to begin to be seen as an essential service, service as we come out of lockdown. And in no way is anyone saying that um, youth workers should be key workers on the kind of the same level as doctors, nurses, COVID response team. But an interesting question, nonetheless, as we leave lockdown, should youth ministry be seen as essential? So, interestingly, two-thirds of you lovely people that responded said, yes, youth workers should be seen as key workers, which means they can be out and about, uh, talking to young people on the streets, attached work, face-to-face work. One, uh, one-third... One-fifth. Yes, I'm so bad with my mother. Said, no, actually feeling quite uncomfortable about that term and thinking that still social distancing and uh, no face-to-face work is still the way that that youth work should go. Again, as Martin said, we don't dig into these bits of uh, questions. We don't really know what lies behind it for people. But that, that in a way, did surprise me. Maybe, Martin, because I... I, I want to constantly be with young people and, and I'm sure those that say no, they also want to be with their young people, but a feeling that the physical distancing is is right thing for now. Did, did, did that surprise mm. you? Well, maybe there's a little bit of humility in there. I wonder whether the, just the, the the sort of the idea of the uh, essential worker, you know, mm-hmm. maybe people don't feel that they could be mentioned in the same breath as a, a nurse who's having to deal with like, COVID-19 viral load. Um, Mm -hmm. But um, so I I would have imagined it might have been higher because because I think we all feel passionate about the young people we're responsible for. Um, But so I think maybe there's a little bit of humility in there. And, uh, and, and also maybe at the moment, a little bit of a sense of like, we're not quite sure what we would do if we could, if we had more freedom, what exactly would, would we do that would be most helpful 
um, without breaking the kind of close um, social distancing rules and so on. So, so maybe that explains a bit of it. There's a bit of a more wider national poll, isn't there? That 84% or something like that. I'm not very good at being accurate, but a very high percentage of people asked said that actually they feel quite nervous about leaving home and being back with mm. the public again. I guess this, this does reflect that as well, doesn't it? Actually, just a yeah. general caution of, of what does this mean. So that, that was interesting. It'd be interesting to see as the weeks go by whether that will change, whether we, mm. we feel that will change. The second question, and this I think you, why don't you talk about this one? Because this one really interested you. Wasn't it? Yeah, I find this interesting. So again, it's it's indicative more than anything else. But um, but we asked what uh, kind of uh, uh, resources and support and guidance youth leaders would like to be receiving during this period of lockdown. What what will be helpful? And uh, and you know we won't go through all of them, but let's go for the the highs and the lows. So what people really said they wanted was some guidance and advice on what youth work might look like after we've come out of this period of lockdown. Maybe that that strange new normal that we've been hearing about where things won't be able to go back to how they were, but we won't be completely locked up in our homes anymore. So we'll be able to see young people, but maybe at a distance and so on. So lots of people, 64% of people wanted guidance and advice on youth work after lockdown and an interest in also new models or approaches of youth work that, that they could try. But here's what's interesting. What people weren't particularly interested in uh, they didn't want facilitated discussion with other youth workers. That's a bit controversial, isn't it? I feel like that. I feel like we almost shouldn't be telling people that that result came out. But but only under a third of respondents said they wanted facilitated discussion with other youth workers. Uh, again, about a third wanted devotional material, um, and not many people wanted actual content for um, young people themselves to use or guidance or advice on um, uh, how you actually do youth work in lockdown. Now, I wonder whether that's because seven weeks in, we've already had enough of all of these things. Like people just thank you so much for all those people who pulled together Zoom calls and Skype calls and uh, conference calls with other youth workers, but they feel like for now they've had enough of them. And it could be that people are just feeling a bit zoomed out. The idea of any more facilitated discussion, I don't know about you, but I actually identify with the the desire to run from that at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe people have enough devotional material. Maybe people have their own kind of stuff for that. I do do wonder about that. I wonder, I guess there's probably two groups of people. There'll be those who uh, this has pushed them further into their relationship with God and those it's for whom it's created a, a break in the rhythm of their Christian walk and they've actually struggled really to connect with God in that time. Um, but yeah, I just wonder whether we're a little bit tired of some of the things that we've been, uh, that youth ministry organizations such as ours have been, uh, have been churning out over the last six or seven weeks and maybe this very podcast. We are literally becoming part of the problem. We are the thing no one no one wants what we're doing right now, Rachel. Have you noticed that? I've just realized we're doing the very thing that barely anyone wants anymore. Let, let's face it, you and I never facilitate anything other than the sound of our own voices. Especially especially this week. Let's move on to question three. Well, I think what's interesting to pick up on what you said is what's answered in question three. Because I, when I was listening to you talk about people not wanting facilitated conversation with other youth workers, I wonder if it's because actually all of us are having such unique responses with the young people in our own setting that there's, it's, it's incomparable in a way that it's, you think, well, I don't think I would learn anything 
things for anybody else because it's so contextually driven. What would work for you? I have no idea what would work for me. So there might be a little bit of that behind it. Because what we pick up in number three is um, about a month ago, the research team asked us whether we were observing signs of digital burnout amongst young people. And the results then about a month ago was that not yet. So Lucy in her wisdom thought, well, let's ask that question again. So she asked, how are young people engaging with online activity you are offering in week six? And how does it compare to earlier weeks? And this was interesting because the results are all over the place. It's some groups like absolutely flying, other groups it's terrible, some groups are plateaued. So so I think overall, a core group are showing up online, but young people are still missing. Um, If it was working, it might still be working or it might not still be working, but they don't really know why. Um, So just just a kind of a whole mix mash, really. And I think she puts a comment um, at the bottom saying, maybe it's too early for us to really know why some things are working and some things aren't, but maybe just to kind of release ourselves a bit and say, well, if it's working, then brilliant. And if it isn't, that's okay as well. So that, but that, I think is probably quite a difficult thing for us to handle because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. And so if it's not working, that's, that's challenging, isn't it? So I think the overall message is obviously youth workers are working very hard to try and freshen up stuff, engage young people. And sometimes it's working and sometimes it isn't, but there's a lot of kind of care and concern from youth workers to connect with young people, which I think in itself is a very good story. Very yeah. good news story. I was quite interested in some of the uh, the comments on on this question. So I think there was a space to actually add a, a, a comment to clarify. Um, and um, and some of the uh, the answers are really quite interesting. So here's one: I've been surprised at how well it's working and the depth of conversation we're able to have. And we're now going to be reflecting on why some young people are more engaged and happier with the online stuff and how we replicate that in the future. I think that's an interesting one. So I've definitely seen in, in my online youth work a real mixed bag. Some young people aren't engaging at all with it, um, but some young people actually seem much happier, much chattier, uh, much more comfortable relating through a screen or through a messaging interface than they do face-to-face. And so there is a, there is a question or an opportunity there, you know, which maybe we need to return to once things go back to this new normal and we're back, we're, we're going back into sort of physical face-to-face youth meetings, there'll be a whole bunch of young people um, who are going, hang on, I liked it before. I liked it how it was. Um, mm. So I, I did think that was interesting. Mm. But, but a lot also of it's getting harder and harder to really connect with them through this mm. stuff. So mm. you know, people may be feeling like the honeymoon period is over with online youth work. Mm. And that there's a sense that um, they're building relationships, but not much more. They're certainly not finding it easy to invest spiritually in young people through this um, kind of form of youth work. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's loads more we could say about that, but I feel like we've had so many conversations about the rights and wrongs of, of online mm-hmm. youth work that it may have all been said. Can I just add one thing? Because as you know, I like to have the final say on lots of things. Is yes, that okay? <laughs> of course. I I do agree with you. And I think we're going to be learning a lot when we come out of this and look back. But um, this this last week, a young person, a 17-year-old in our youth group, um, has been preparing for her first online preach, a 20-minute preach. Um, 
and at a, at, for a online youth event that we don't run. So she was asked to preach for a different church's online youth event. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've been sort of coaching her through that and simple things like how to prep a talk and where to put the notes on the wall and how to film yourself, get good lighting, how to prepare a talk, praying about it, how to do the ministry time. Um, and I think I noticed that she's probably had three people. I think when it went live, about three young people connected to watch it. Devastating. But afterwards I was reflecting on her and said, actually, probably had we not had this, I'm, it might have taken longer for her to have a platform to have to, which is my, I said to her, it's my fault, not your fault. But actually, we've had a week where we've worked together really well on this, and you've, mm. you've done the most incredible sermon. It's so powerful. I'm, I'm going to see if our church will air it. But I did think, Martin, there might be some things like that that are kind of the um, unplanned for benefits of some of this, isn't it? Mm. If, the, if the purpose is the end user, well, maybe it's the young person who's suddenly found a voice in this space. Mm. So I realised I shared that in a fairly scatty way and there's probably lots of potholes in what I said. But it was an interesting reflection on Mm. her and I last night thinking, oh, wow, actually, this was a really amazing growth moment for her. And yeah, it was fantastic, actually. It was fantastic. Awesome. Right. But we have have no guests, but we have lots of voices that we're going to share. We have. We have. And I'm aware that just the... um, the way we're going to share this is going to be slightly com- convoluted because, of course, you and I are going to have to put on different voices. Maybe maybe we could do accents. How about that? <laughs> Terrible. Those uh, are not well accents. <laughs> I, I, now I want to hear that. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, we're, so some I, I think some people have given us permission to share their names and some people haven't. And because we don't know that, we are going to err on the side of caution and uh, protect your anonymity a little bit. So, um, so we're going to read these out in a moment. But so this is in response to uh, the uh, interview which uh, we did on Friday last week with Jemima Woodbridge from Youthscape. And we talked about what it's like to um, launch a project at any time, but particularly in this time, and experience, actually, let's call it what it is, a project failing. Uh, and we don't actually love talking about that. And we certainly don't like experiencing it. We do, you know, we like to talk about it as a, an abstract idea that if you're going to take risks, sometimes they're not going to come off. We just don't really like it when they don't come off for us. Um, and so what it did really was that, uh, that interview and the article on the Youthscape live blog, which you can still read, uh, just gives a bit of permission for other people to say, do you know what? Also, uh, my experience hasn't been wholly positive because we do, I don't know why we do this. I do this, but we do curate our sort of shiny, positive versions of life on social media and so on, don't we? I mean, we, you know, we, we just struggle to post anything that might put us in a bad light that looks like things aren't going brilliantly or that we aren't succeeding. We just, it's human nature, but we struggle to do it. And so the thing with that is it can lead you as you're scrolling through other people's social media um, to believe that you're the only one for whom it's not going well. And so, as I said, it, it gave some permission and, um, and we've got some responses. So why don't we, um, why don't we read them? We'll do first names. How's that? Yes, I think first names are good, yeah. And then, uh, and so let's dive in. Do you want to go first or shall I? 
You go first because it's a male, the first one. So it you is. Go first. Okay, so this is Rob. So uh, Rob says, I thought I'd share what I found out this week as to why I was struggling. Uh, this week we did our cell group with our older youths. We looked at Myers-Briggs and the body of Christ. Gosh, that's a, that's a serious uh, bit of study with uh, young people. Well done. Uh, it was a really, really good session and possibly the best one we've done on Zoom, possibly the best in a long time. Anyway, it turns out almost all of our older kids are introverts. Um, we were surprised by a few of them coming out as introverts as in our group out, um, in our group out of lockdown, we can't get them to shut up. And it seemed like uh, the penny dropped for us all as leaders together. That's why we find discussions so hard over Zoom. Two thirds of the leader, uh, leaders are extroverts, but the young people are all introverts. No solutions yet, but we'll be doing some research on working with introverts soon. So a little bit of like, it's not working. Why is it not working? And then a bit of an aha moment for Rob yeah. there as to why it did. Brilliant. This next one comes from Abs. I am so grateful for Jemima's article and the podcast. I'm the paid youth worker of a church in Birmingham with a volunteer team. And as we saw that lockdown was going to become inevitable, we decided to launch our Encounter Youth online. And the program included YouTube Live on Sundays at three, midweek Zoom games and Bible study and Friday night youth, which included the whole shebang. And I spent hours working on the website with all the links I need. We started a blog. I started filming videos of myself running through the week and how to do demos for how to log on and connect with us. And we worked to increase our social media presence. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah, to begin with, there was a buzz. Friday nights were a lot of fun and there was real openness in our Bible studies. I thought this was going to be it. This is a big breakthrough that the youth ministry needed. But then we noticed that only our younger youth, years seven to nine, with a couple of exceptions, were really engaging. So we split the sessions by age. We've all done this to try to increase engagement from the older ones. I was calling and testing young people virtually every day. And though I only work part time for church, what? Just part time. Um, I found that I was working nonstop. But against all efforts and prayer, attendance on Zoom was reducing. And for a few sessions, there might just be one or no young people present. The observations Jemima made were spot on for me. It felt like I was failing and everyone else was getting it right. It really felt like if the young people just joined in, they would get so much out of it. I was really upset about the personal relationships that I've built up with some of the youth and actually began to feel not just like I'd failed them, but like I was being rejected and I'd let the ministry down. That's a really good point, Martin. Mm. Actually, we're dealing with the rejection from young people. That's really honest. Then I got coronavirus. Um, she was never in hospital. She's fine. And as I tried to help my team to lead in my absence, I realized the program just wasn't worth it. I was exhausted and crying out to God for a solution. And suddenly things became clearer to me. Why were we pouring so much energy into something that the young people just didn't want? It was heartbreaking, but it wasn't working. Maybe there's another way. That's essentially exactly the same story that Jemima had, isn't it? It's it's just realizing that you've come up with something brilliant, um, but but young people, it's not the brilliant thing that young people want. (laughs) 
She ends by saying, I've been so deflated trying to energize the team for a program that wasn't serving anyone. And now we are waiting on God. And then she ends this, he is answering our prayers. So she goes on to talk about a few little things they're beginning to do, which is brilliant. But I just thank you, Abs, for your, mm. your kind of amazing honesty. And we're absolutely contending with you and cheering you on. You're the woman for this role. God's placed you there. That's Absolutely. awesome. Next one. <laughs> okay. Uh, next one is Chris. Uh, he says, this was an interesting take on the challenges of online work. Uh, we took the approach of putting all of our staff on furlough literally from day one and are now only introducing virtual youth clubs. We're expecting a slow take up, but for staff who've been isolated for several weeks despite checking calls, this is something positive they can be working on. So far, we have had a small take up and it is definitely tougher running virtual clubs through Zoom and staff report how tired they are after a two-hour session. We're delivering for our centres, which are empty with just three or four staff sitting with appropriate space. Very good. Thank you for putting that in there, Chris. Uh, But together for mutual support when they run the sessions. We'll see how our experience goes, but so far the young people uh, connecting have been grateful for the reach out. So um, not so much a story of failure there, but just again, you know, just permission to say, gosh, this is tough. It's not glamorous. It's not easy. We're not seeing a skyrocket skyrocketing number of young people engaging um, but some encouraging signs and, and what that needs from Chris and Abs in terms of, of cheering on and supporting volunteers as well how draining that is actually when, when your volunteers are feeling deflated and yeah absolutely thank you Chris Angie says this thank you really appreciate this and your other blog about what we can do offline unfortunately I've been furloughed so can't do my normal youth work but I've been volunteering in my time in the volunteer hub working with the elderly and vulnerable in the community and notice that not everyone wants to do stuff online it means and it's a means to an end but it's not community as such and I think that's true for the young people I work with it's good for a time and what they want to do with but online youth clubs just aren't the same I'm happy to be approved from but thank you for everything that you provide and I think that's a reflection as well is it not necessarily a particular project that's failed but just being able to process why is this feeling so difficult and for someone who's been and she's been furloughed that the challenge of not being able to do what she would normally do. Mm. Thanks, I'm getting in touch. That's great. I think, I think, first of all, I just want to agree uh, with a lot of what Angie said there. Um, I think for the majority of young people, it doesn't, uh, it's only a poor substitute for uh, meeting face to face. There are some, I can hear them now because, of course, they're all listening to uh, our, our podcast, even after all these weeks. <laughs> uh, I can hear there will be some people who would say, no, this, this, we've been saying for years, this absolutely is the same thing. You can build community online. Some people prefer online community. Um, I get my most meaningful interactions online and so on. There are some people for whom that's true. But when we're trying to build um, something that, that works generally with a group of young people, I, I think Angie's absolutely right. It, it's good. And, they, and young people use online community in certain ways in gaming and to uh, keep in touch between physical meetings and so on, but it is not the same. It is not the place of community, I think, for the majority of young people. So thank you, Mm. Angie. And just finally, a couple that we've had over uh, social media, I think. Uh, Quick responses from Katie who says, so true, Zoom is hard. I felt guilty for not wanting to innovate and host another excruciating Zoom. Oh, we love you, Katie. Plodding on, though. Thanks for your honesty. Truly encouraging. And Eloise says, yes, this resounds. Uh, most of our online stuff has fallen flat, and even the bits that haven't. Zoom calls are becoming the dread in my week. Thanks for sharing my feelings. Uh, 
So thank you, everybody, for getting in, in touch and sharing your thoughts. Thank you for um, being honest and uh, responding to uh, Jemima's invitation to share some of your uh, stories of things not working so well. Uh, we, we've been doing that for a while. Haven't we? I mean, let's, be, let's just remind people, Rachel, that most of the things we've tried have gone disastrously wrong. Just not just in this period, but no. throughout a long and disastrous interweaving pair of careers. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think on the good days, we feel that's how it should be because young people can't be controlled and cajoled into things. They are their own brilliant selves. And so working among them and serving them will always feel a little bit like we're all on the edge. And on the terrible days, um, that lie actually sounds like truth. And, and that's the, that's sometimes hearing other people's stories and airing your own internal narratives. Sometimes the, the, the thing that that is best for is making you go, oh, actually that lie, that is a lie, isn't it? Because I, I'm believing it, but really that's not true. The mm. truth is God's called me to this. And the truth is that he is working in these young people's lives, whether I'm there or not. And the truth is that tomorrow is a new day. And the truth is that I actually, I've got some ideas. I can problem solve this a bit. I've got some people around me. Um, but it's amazing how that lockdown mentality, that bunker mentality that we, you know, we knew emotionally and, and now we know physically is, is, is a real thing. Tell you what I did recently, which, um, which helped me a little bit with some of this lockdown mentality, this fear of failure. Mm. I chatted with somebody um, who works with the persecuted church. I'm going somewhere with this. Okay. Obviously, it's one church. But this experience that we've got of lockdown, obviously, there are some churches around the world and some youth workers that are constantly serving young people, you know, in lockdown. Churches are secret. They have to be underground. There's, you know, they don't. And, and she talked about the three toxic P's of persecution, poverty, and pandemic. And, um, and she told me some stories of young people like that she's discovering in Bangladesh and South Korea and North Korea who are just doing the most incredible things in reaching out to their friends. And I just, that was a moment of thinking I must be praying for young people and youth workers outside of my country mm. in this time. But it also really helped Martin for me say, oh, okay, so that Zoom call didn't work. Okay, let's mm. put it in some perspective. <laughs> you know, this, it, yeah, there's, a, there's bigger things going on here. And it's okay to be upset about that and to, and to feel devastated by it. But it's also okay to say, God, the mm. bigger, there's a bigger picture and I'm still, I've still got my role in this bigger picture. So yeah. yeah, that helped me. A bit random decoy then, but that was a really helpful thing for me. That's all right. I have a random thought as well, which is, um, which is, I think, uh, maybe something we haven't talked about very much on the podcast is um, how people might be feeling about their um, what they might have hoped to have done during lockdown and not quite managed to do. Oh, I saw, I saw an unbelievably annoying tweet from someone uh, who was kind of like one of these you know, he's got about a bajillion followers and he was like a professional lifestyle guru, business number one. You know, those people, have you ever seen them on social media where they've got like the names of all their books in their, the bio, but you've never heard of any of it. And they, I think they do like seminars in hotels about oh, like, yes. being a, you know, seminars in hotels, those people. Um, never trust anyone who does a seminar in a hotel. <laughs> Anybody who ever is old enough to remember youth at the conference will, will That's all we did. <laughs> we'll get the joke. Uh but um but yeah, the um th this guy he said uh, you know if you 
haven't used lockdown to write that novel or work on that side hustle or, you know, or, or, or a list of other things. He said, if you didn't do it now, you're never going to do it. And, uh, and, and people were like, people responded to him. I wouldn't say with enormous grace, but people did, <laughs> people did respond to him. And, uh, and I think we just want to rebuke that. Cause I think we all, like all of us who've got like little, if, if we have got like delusions of a side hustle in us somewhere, we did wonder whether maybe, oh, maybe this will give me more time to do this or it'll give me, give me time to lose a bit of weight or, uh, you know, do a bit in the garden or there might be grand plans you had or just some small personal goal you had. It, if you didn't manage to do that, if you haven't managed to progress towards those, it's okay. Like, absolutely, you have to give yourself permission. We are yeah. seven weeks into this thing. Is the craziest thing most of us have been through in our lifetimes. And it doesn't follow that this is the moment that you are going to write your, uh, you know, epic novel or, or even, even take up jogging or whatever the other thing that you wanted to do. Like, if you just survive this with your, you know, your mental health intact... And, uh, you know, just managing to hold on, then you have done a phenomenal job. Do you know what? If you survive this without your mental health intact, then you've probably done it. You've still done a phenomenal job as well. Uh, Like, uh, it's, we've got to not have these ridiculous expectations put on ourselves by idiots in hotels. (laughs) Idiots in hotels. I totally agree because I do think we're all at danger of having our the last night of being 39 before we turn 40 feeling like yes. you guys talked that's exactly lot, that because I remember turning 40 thinking I thought I'd have dealt with that character flaw by now I mm-hmm. thought I'd have dealt with that fact that I'm ridiculously awful at hoovering my house I thought I'd have da- you know, dealt with all of this kind of slummy mummy inability to finish a sentence properly and it's all these things <laughs> that you think it's okay that I'm cranky at the edges because by the time I'm 40 that stuff yeah. will have worked itself out so so I think I'm going to amplify that is my phrase of the day. I'm going to amplify that and put icing on it and a big fat cherry on it and say, look at that, because I do agree. If we can emerge from this a little bit more touch with our humanity, because actually we've faced our fears and we've dealt with the fact that we're living with ourselves and we're not perfect. If mm. we can kind of emerge from here a bit more humble and our mm. humility shines like <laughs> mm, mm. <laughs> a bit more humble, that, that would probably be a lot healthier, wouldn't it? For yeah, it would. For us, then actually, um, that we all come out with a shining new X, Y, and Z. Probably oh. the, the the other really important thing to say about uh, recognizing when things haven't gone well, and recognizing where we're not when we're not feeling in a great place ourselves, um, is that it is a it's a good thing sometimes to sit with lament. It's it's yeah. a it's a powerful thing yeah. to sometimes just sit with God with a bit yeah. of pain and say, I I. I haven't managed to do it this time. Like I, uh, I feel like a failure or I feel like I'm not coping. Like it's, it's actually a very positive thing to, to sit with, you know, it's not wallowing. It's not wallowing to invite God into that space and to say, Lord, like I feel at my most broken right now. Like this is, this is, um, this is not how I feel like I'm meant to be. And this no. has not gone how I wanted it to go. Um, yeah. And I think, it's, I think it's okay not to have any answers at all in those moments no. and just to sit well, with I, the Lord. I, to, close, to begin to close this down, I just want to say one thing to you, Martin. Go on. 
Lord bless you and keep you. That song. That song. Oh. That song. I had it. Yeah, I felt Did you feel sad that you weren't in it? It feels like you just recorded your bit there. I just saw my lovely little friend's faces in it. I was like, hello. And we can can all say that. We can all say that because actually it's the UK worship community. And I was so proud of the fact it was, I mean, it was when I saw the Sally Army, that's when I bawled eyes out yeah. uh, what did you ball because that it was at that point I was like it's a Sally Army it's a Sally Army I, it was I, I'm very keen because I, I know what we're like as Christians I'm very keen that we don't draw any hot take at all out of the blessing no um, absolutely absolutely it mustn't turn into like who wasn't there no, 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 no. This is a sign of revival or anything no, like that. It, it was a love song it, to the nation. And it so was cool. beautiful. And I'll tell you something. My um my 12-year-old daughter sat watching it and she said, she sat there watching her, watching her little Kindle thing. And I said, You're right. And she said, This is a bit much, to be honest. This is a bit much. And she had little tears in her eyes. And she was like massively impacted by this, just this beautiful piece of music, this beautiful act of unity. So let's not spoil it. Let's not just, let's just not talk about it. And I, I bring it because actually it's the most moving thing. I just felt we couldn't do a podcast. If we're in any way kind of doing a chronology of yes. what's happening in lockdown, what happened yeah. at 12 noon on Sunday just gone, I think was just a mighty... You know, you know it's had uh, over a million views on YouTube. Isn't that unbelievable? <laughs> It's just amazing. It's just, and there's nothing on it that tells you who's behind it and who no. does it. There's ego. There's no, it is just a gift. And I Rach, just, Rach. It was, it was me. I did it. Oh, it was, yeah. It was all me. <laughs> yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't me. It was beautiful. But I think you're absolutely right. I think the bit of unity was just mm. so lovely, wasn't it? Yeah, this is that we're all you know, all across, you know, let's face it, as a church, we're often pretty we're pretty good at fighting each other, aren't we? So it was a beautiful, beautiful thing. So but I, I echo that the Lord bless you. And that and I I um I stuck it in my pocket and I had it on going all the time. And I was walking around with my son in the afternoon for for less than an hour, obviously, and I had it playing and everybody walking past me, I was like wafting it. And actually, I took it and played it. Um, so we delivered to some homeless, and I took it and I put my phone on the floor and I said, "Have a look, look at this." So it was a really powerful thing, just to kind yeah. of air it in the direction of people that needed to hear it. It was a beautiful, beautiful thing. And yes. so if you've not heard it yet, where have you been? Go and listen to it. The UK blessing, or just go and listen to it again. Uh, so what a great place to end this rambling nonsense of a podcast. Uh, <laughs> thanks. If you are the uh, the person who stayed with us for all of that, you, I don't know, we'll get you on as a guest sometime or something. Um, thank you. Um, we'll be back later in the week with a guest, we promise. Uh, and, and more of this on the Escape Podcast. See you soon. Bye.